Hello, I'm Marcus Louth and welcome to the latest edition of the UFO Insight Podcast, where we examine all things UFOs and aliens, conspiracies and mysteries, and all aspects of the paranormal. Okay, today we'll be looking at some of the most intriguing UFO incidents that have taken place over or near water, including some particularly thought-provoking alien abduction encounters. Indeed, as we will examine, many more UFO sightings occur near water than many of us might think. While most of us perhaps imagine scenes of space and other worlds when we speak of UFOs and aliens, the fact is, there are a large portion of such reports that involve the great depths of the world's oceans, seas, lakes and rivers. In fact, although there are no official statistics to back it up, it is widely estimated and agreed that at least half of UFO encounters occur near or over water. And if we further recall that water covers around 70% of the planet, and that around 90% of what might lie beneath those waters remains unexplored, these aquatic regions perhaps offer ideal cover for some kind of underwater facility. Indeed, it is the suspicions of many UFO researchers and investigators that it is deep below various bodies of water where aquatic alien bases are likely to be found. There are, after all, numerous sightings and reports of these strange futuristic crafts leaving and entering the waters, whether out on the open seas or over the many lakes and rivers around the world. Might it be that at least some of those who experience alien abduction are actually taken to an underwater facility? And if so, what type of facilities actually are these underwater bases? Are they the temporary outposts of an extraterrestrial visitors? Or might they act as a more permanent settlement, ones that have been here for thousands of years? Perhaps the best place to start would be to examine some of the proposed locations of these underwater alien facilities. For example, the southwest and northeast coast of the United Kingdom have multiple UFO sightings each year, and both locations are home to rumblings of an extraterrestrial base somewhere beneath the waves. In the case of the northeast, the North Sea has a long history of UFO activity, with many residents of the coastal towns in the region claiming to have seen strange objects over the water. What's more, there are several encounters on record of military jets encountering strange, fast-moving objects off the east coast of England. In more recent times, several UFO sightings have been reported claiming to show UFOs entering and leaving the North Atlantic waters off the coast of southwest England. According to one UFO reporting website, on consecutive days in July 2020, a local resident of Devon witnessed a disc-like object exit the water one afternoon, while also seeing a similarly strange-shaped object appear out of nowhere the following day and quickly disappear beneath the waves. We will stay in the United Kingdom for a moment to examine briefly the claims of UFO activity in and around the regions of the Welsh coast, and specifically, as far as alleged underwater bases are concerned, strange activity and bizarre lights off the coast of Puffin Island. Many residents of the region have reported seeing strange bright objects entering and leaving the water, and what's more, several alien abductees from the area have made claims of being taken to underwater bases. It is also very much worth our time to examine the apparent artificial structure discovered in the Baltic Sea, which, relatively speaking, is only a stone's throw away from the North Sea. And furthermore, the Baltic Sea is another body of water that has an impressive collection of UFO activity over and under the water, with at least one military deployment in 2014 taking place due to unknown underwater activity. The discovery of an apparent artificial structure came to light in 2016, when a Millennium Falcon-type anomaly was found at the bottom of the sea. As you might imagine, the discovery has been dismissed as a naturally occurring formation. 
However, many who have viewed it are more than impressed with the apparent purposeful markings and precisely straight lines and cuts that appear in it. It isn't just the seas of Europe though that have claims of underwater alien activity. The many lakes of the Americas are equally as active, and it is there we will turn our attention next. Many of the lakes of North America, for example, are rife with UFO activity. Without a doubt, one of the strangest such lakes is Lake Ontario. Not only is the region around the ancient waterway awash with UFO sightings, but there have been several strange disappearances of both individuals and entire planes near the water. We could say much the same for the stretch of Lake Erie that runs through Ohio. There are multiple reports of strange glowing disks there that suddenly dive into the water and disappear. If we move our attention to the southern continent, then there are two particular bodies of water that are of interest to us here. Lake Titicaca is one of the oldest lakes in the world, and certainly one of the highest. It also, like the others mentioned previously, has a long and rich history with UFOs and strange entities. What's more, from an ancient astronaut's perspective, much of the ancient mythology and creation stories revolve around this particular body of water. There have even been several videos that have appeared online, appearing to show large, solid black objects moving below the lake's surface. Perhaps one of the most active countries in terms of UFOs is Puerto Rico, and that is much the same with sightings off the northeastern coast. Of even more interest are the apparent findings of researcher and journalist George Martin. He would claim that he had uncovered evidence of artificial structures running from several miles out to sea to under the ground in various cities on the mainland. He claimed to have unveiled these tunnel-like structures using satellite images. What is particularly interesting about these claims is one of the cities that one of these alleged tunnels stretched out to had experienced several strange noises coming from under the ground in the late 1980s. Residents would describe these noises as machine-like, as if heavy-duty drilling was taking place deep below them. The noises would cease as suddenly as they began before any investigation could take place. It also might one day prove to be true that an underwater alien base resides in the ancient lakes of Russia. One particular body of water, Lake Baikal, has an account attached to it that certainly suggests an extraterrestrial presence in the region. According to files that were eventually leaked into the public domain following the breakup of the Soviet Union, at some time in 1982, a team of military research divers would encounter several strange entities under the water of the lake. The account states that the unit had already noticed strange aerial activity in the days leading up to the incident, and was even tracking an unknown object for a significant amount of time. However, it was when several members of the unit went ahead with a research dive mission that they suddenly realised they weren't alone. To their disbelief, around half a dozen ten-foot humanoid creatures, each wearing a tight-fitting shiny suit and a strange helmet, were several feet away, watching them. The two groups remained stationary from each other for several moments. However, the diving unit were given instructions to attempt to capture one of the strange creatures. Responding to the order, they would move toward the alien group in an attempt to net one of the humanoids. The next thing they realised, though, they were shooting towards the surface of the water at rapid speed. It would appear, according to the files, their suspected high-tech sonar weapon had been deployed by the mysterious visitors. So rapid was the rise through the water that three of the unit would die, while the remaining surviving divers were significantly injured. While we should perhaps treat such claims with a pinch of salt if only to guard against the possibility of purposely planted disinformation, it is certainly one of the most intriguing cases on record. If we accept for a moment that the incident is authentic and genuine, 
that it might suggest a long hidden extraterrestrial underwater facility resides somewhere deep below the icy waters of Lake Baikal. Incidentally, when the region was recently mapped by satellite, two strange anomalies on the bed of the lake were seen, and what's more, they appear to be decisively artificial. Okay, if we turn our attention to across the Atlantic now and back to Ohio in the United States, we find another intriguing UFO encounter over another great body of water, Lake Erie, one of the five great lakes in North America. In March 1988, the Baker family were at the centre of this mysterious UFO incident, one with multiple witnesses, including two members of the Ohio Coastal Guard, who would make an official report. The Baker family would go out to eat every Friday evening. On this particular Friday, March 4th, 1988, all four of them were driving home following their usual Friday night meal. It was a little after 8.30pm. Henry Baker was driving and the two children were in the back. His heavily pregnant wife, Sheila, meanwhile, looked out of the passenger window at the frozen lake. The ice almost shined in the moonlight. Then, she saw a strangely lit object rocking on the surface of the frozen water. She nudged her husband who took his attention away from the road for a moment. He could see it also. At Sheila's insistence, he would turn the car's direction towards the waterfront. Once there, they instructed their sons to remain in the vehicle before opening their car doors. They stepped out into the cold night and began to cautiously make their way to the water's edge. The lights were still there. What Sheila first noticed, though, were sounds that appeared to be the ice of the frozen lake cracking. She would liken them to claps of thunder. As they got as near as they could without stepping onto the ice, they could clearly make out a football-shaped object with bright white lights at either end. The object itself appeared to be of a gunmetal grey colour and was hovering overhead as opposed to being on the surface. Despite the obvious movements, the strange craft made no noise whatsoever. All Sheila could hear were the sounds of cracking ice. Suddenly, as if it had become aware of their presence, the object swung towards them and headed in their direction. Panicked and frightened, the couple turned and ran back towards their car. Henry would drive the remainder of the journey with alacrity. Once the bakers arrived at their home and settled their children in bed, Sheila would contact the police to report the sighting. They would tell her that she would have to contact the Coast Guard. She did, and despite their initial refusal to deal with the case, they would eventually agree to pick them up and take them back to the waterfront. Meanwhile, the bakers could clearly see the object hovering over the lake from the window of their house. As they watched, six independent triangular objects suddenly emerged from the larger one. They would move around the main object in a darting motion before stopping suddenly. Then, they moved away in the direction of the Perret nuclear power plant. The bakers would ask a neighbour to watch their children, and when the Coast Guard arrived, they would accompany them back to the lake. According to the officers, several other reports, including from their own employees, had come in regarding the strange object. As the Coast Guard's vehicle pulled up at the waterfront, the smaller triangular objects were once again circling the main craft. As soon as the Coast Guards opened their car doors, the sound of rumbling ice met everyone's ears. This was constant, as if the object's purpose was to crack the ice and gain access to the water below. The Coast Guard's report would state the ice was cracking and moving abnormal amounts. Whenever the object came closer to the surface, the cracking sounds became more intense. The Coast Guards would radio back to their control base stating that the object appears to be landing on the lake. The Coast Guards would continue to advise the control room of the situation. 
As the triangular crafts became active once more, they would report that there were other objects moving around it. Furthermore, these objects were going at a high rate of speed. As Sheila and Henry, along with the two Coast Guards, continued to watch the fascinating display, they noticed one of the triangles suddenly turn in their direction. It was heading straight for the Coast Guard's vehicle. Right before what seemed to be an inevitable impact, the object veered upwards in a blur of light. It then returned to the main larger craft, as did the other smaller triangular objects. All the while, the sound of ice cracking continued. It seemed that the previously bright white lights of the craft were now beginning to flash and glow in a display of red, blue, orange and green. The craft itself appeared to be descending. The lights went out for a second, and then returned. Then, without warning, the lights and the rumbling, audible carnage were gone completely. The witnesses were not clear if the craft had sped away, or if the lights had simply gone out. Perhaps it was still hovering over the ice, only now they couldn't see it. Sheila, though, would voice her suspicion for reasons she doesn't know, that it had plunged directly below the ice and into the frozen waters. Although several of the smaller triangular objects were seen flying directly overhead a little later that evening, the larger craft didn't reappear. One of the Coast Guards would report that the triangular crafts behaved as though they were scouting the area. None of the Coast Guards could identify any of the objects they witnessed. Several other witnesses would come forward in the days that followed. Cindy Hale, for example, would report seeing a triangular object overhead while she walked her dog on the night in question. Before she had noticed the strange aerial object, her dog had begun to whine and become suddenly very agitated. It was then that she looked upwards. The craft remained there for several moments, long enough for Cindy to take her dog inside and then return. She would describe a series of flashing multicoloured lights on the craft's underside, then it would suddenly accelerate away at blistering pace, although it remained completely silent. At the same time, and from a different location, Tim Keck was viewing the skies over Ohio with his astronomical telescope. Suddenly, one of the strange triangular crafts came into his sights. Not quite believing what he was seeing, and remember Keck viewed the craft at a magnified level, he reached for his cheap throwaway type camera. He would manage to get one picture before the craft was out of sight. According to the analysis of the picture by optical physicist Bruce Maccabee, the photograph was genuine, and if the picture was, then in turn, so was the sighting. Another interesting sighting occurred at the end of the 1980s and involved the United States nuclear submarine, whose mission was to patrol the waters ahead of a NASA space shuttle launch. Not only did the crew witness a strange triangular craft, but many other similar objects were witnessed in the days before and after the incident right across the United States. According to the report, courtesy of a crew member on the US Navy submarine the USS Memphis and relayed in the book Military Encounters with Extraterrestrials by Frank Joseph, they were around 150 miles off the coast of Florida when they experienced an event that would shake the very foundations of their beliefs. The main witness would state that their mission was to protect the NASA space shuttle that was sitting on the launch pad in Florida. They would patrol the waters off the coast of Florida, looking out for potential terrorist attacks or other attempts to sabotage the upcoming mission. On this particular evening of the 24th going into the 25th of October, the USS Memphis was cruising at a depth of around 500 feet. The mission had been standard until the submarine suddenly started to experience problems with their electronics. In fact, more than just problems, the witness would claim that the ship was malfunctioning, the tanks were blowing, and navigation ability and communication became totally lost. A decision was made to bring the vehicle to a stop so they could attempt to get a handle on just what was happening. 
However, when the controls in the reactor began to malfunction, the captain of the vessel ordered it shut down and for the crew to surface immediately, switching to diesel engines when they did so. When the USS Memphis broke the surface of the water, the witness went immediately to his watch station. The witness looked out at the night sky, which was glowing red like a neon sign as rain lashed down on the water below. Only moments later, however, he witnessed a large inverted V-shaped object at the port side of the submarine. With him was an executive officer, who told the witness to remain at his post on the tower while he went to inform the captain. Moments later, the officer returned, the captain now with him. Using a laser range finder, they would estimate they were around 650 feet from the nearest point of this strange V-shaped craft, with the furthest point being a little over 3,000 feet away. This suggested to them that the object was around half a mile across. They could see that it was circling around the submarine. As it passed overhead, the electronics began to go crazy once again. The red glow was clearly coming from the underside of the craft, lighting up the water below, which appeared to rise almost a foot as the object passed over it. The object then came to a sudden stop, hanging motionless for several seconds, causing the entire sky to shine a bright red. Then, without warning, it moved off at tremendous speed and disappeared. At the same time, the electronics returned to working order, except the communications and sonar, which appeared to be permanently damaged. After the captain ordered a systems check, they returned to the reactor power and set out back on their patrol. After they were moving through the water once more, the captain told the witness and the executive officer, as well as two other petty officers, to join him privately. Ultimately, he would tell the group, the only ones to have witnessed the bizarre occurrence, that they should not speak about it until he had had a chance to report it. Strangely, when they reached port several hours later, the witnesses were taken into protective custody. As they waited, the main witness and the two officers each agreed that what they had seen was very real. It was around three hours later when an officer from the Air Force arrived to speak with the men. Unbelievably to all three of them, they were informed by this officer that what they had witnessed was merely an exploding weather satellite. Perhaps even more suspicious, certainly according to the witness, was that every single person on the crew of the USS Memphis at the time of the incident, after having served around four years together, was suddenly transferred to completely new assignments without explanation. Even the captain was transferred from the mission. Essentially, the witness stated, they were split up, which almost never happened. Ultimately, the officer remained quiet about the incident for several years, eventually reporting it to researchers after watching a television program that suddenly inspired him to share his own encounter. According to researcher and writer Frank Joseph, the official recorded history for the USS Memphis states only that the submarine was underway for a dependence cruise at the time of the encounter. All of the references to that cruise, Joseph would write, including the events of 24th and 25th of October, have been deleted. There were perhaps several things of interest to note about this sighting, not least the fact that the submarine was nuclear. Was the incident one of random chance, that the two vehicles just happened to be in the same location at the same time? Or might it be the nuclear nature of the underwater vessel that attracted the interest of the UFO, essentially causing it to shut it down? Might there have been a connection to the upcoming NASA space shuttle launch that the submarine was conducting patrols in order to protect? Might there have been a concern of just what we are sending into space and why? And perhaps more than anything else, why was the incident not only covered up, but seemingly expunged from history altogether? 
What might this say of what governments actually know of the UFO presence on Earth that increasingly appears more likely? If there are underwater alien bases in several locations around the planet, then we might expect details of them to show up in claims of alien abduction. And while they might not be as well known as some, there are several intriguing cases that provide very heavy hints of just such an aquatic domain, and some that outright state as such. We might, for example, look briefly at one of the most famous cases of alien abduction of them all, that of Betty and Barney Hill. While on the surface this appears to be a standard alien abduction on a lonely road, when we examine some of the transcriptions of the hypnotic regression sessions, we find some potentially revealing details. During one exchange, while describing the moments after being taken on board the strange craft, Betty would recall that it was entering the water. Another well-known alien abductee is Betty Andreasen, who had claimed that her abduction encounters had been happening for decades going back to her childhood. One specific case, she would claim, occurred in 1950. After strange entities appeared in her room and transported her to a presumed spacecraft, she was taken and placed inside a wheel-like vehicle. This would launch from the main ship under some kind of remote or artificial control and plummet into the ocean. She would find herself entering some kind of strange and magnificent underwater facility. What's more, while she was there, she was taken to a strange room that she would recall as a museum of time. In this room were several glass containers, each of which contained a human being from a different era of history. Yet another case of alien abduction that received relatively widespread attention is that of Linda Cortiel. In a case that was investigated by veteran UFO investigator and researcher Bud Hopkins, Cortiel would claim that she was abducted right out of her downtown New York apartment on the evening of November 30th, 1989. What was particularly intriguing about the Cortiel case, and unbeknown to Cortiel and Hopkins when she reported the abduction and began regression, was that two security guards had witnessed the abduction taking place. Known only as Richard and Dan, they were working as drivers and security for the Security General of the United Nations on the evening in question. They were driving along a road near the East River under the Brooklyn Bridge and below Cortiel's apartment when their car's engine suddenly died. It was as they stepped out of the vehicle to see what the problem might be that they witnessed a woman floating through the air. Even more bizarre, they could see three strange figures floating with her. They would keep watching the strange scene until Cortiel and the three creatures were inside the disc-shaped craft that hovered a little way from the Tower of Apartments. It then moved away and came screeching toward the surface of the East River. Within seconds, it had vanished below the water. What makes the testimony of the two security guards even more compelling is that before they even made contact with Hopkins, Cortiel had made statements under hypnotic regression of the craft she was on board coming to a sudden stop under the water. What's more, through a window in the otherworldly vehicle, she could clearly see soft drink bottles and other garbage on the bed of the water, which we might safely assume was somewhere under the East River. The three cases we have just examined, while perhaps three of the most well-known alien abduction encounters in the public arena, are far from the only ones we might wish to explore. A particularly intriguing recall of apparent alien abduction encounters can be found in the book The Alien Jigsaw by Katharina Wilson. In it, she would describe being in a strange craft that would make sharp turns before heading downward at a very steep angle. She soon realised there was water all around her, before realising they had entered some kind of underwater tunnel or tube. Anna Jameson's encounters are also of interest to us here. She would speak of abduction events involving underwater tunnels and of crafts entering the water in her book Connections. 
She would state, for example, that during one encounter she would recall being on a craft that seemingly entered the water right in front of an approaching ocean liner. She would further recall travelling underneath the huge vessel before entering a long tunnel. This tube had soft walls, which very well could have been a perception of water all around her. Unfortunately, that is all she could recall of this particular incident. There are also other encounters that provide much more in-depth details of these apparent alien abductions to underwater bases. The abduction of Orlando George Ferraudi from an Argentinian beach in 1956, although some sources state the year was 1965, is perhaps a good example. After being approached by a seven-foot humanoid in a tight-fitting shiny suit, he was taken on board what he believed was a spacecraft. However, instead of venturing off into outer space to another planet, it instead took him beneath the water. He would eventually find himself in a giant underwater dome that he was informed was a base to recondition their ships. What's more, Ferrari was told that this alien presence had been there for thousands of years, seemingly performing experiments on all different forms of life, and the Earth was essentially a zoo planet. A similar encounter occurred in January 1979 on a quiet road in Miami, Florida, when Filiberto Cardenas was taken on board a disc-like craft via a strange beam in front of his friend and family while attempting to see why his car had suddenly stopped. His friend would report him missing to the police. He was eventually discovered over 10 miles away in the middle of a busy highway, with no recollection of how he arrived there. Only when he underwent hypnotic regression months later did he begin to discover what had taken place. He would reveal that after arriving on board the craft, which contained several strange humanoid figures, he was strapped into a smaller vehicle. This then launched out of the main craft and descended into the cold waters below, presumably somewhere off the coast of Florida. The smaller craft would then enter some kind of underwater tunnel before eventually coming to a stop in a large hangar. According to what he was told by his host, this was just one of many such aquatic facilities based all over the planet. We have to ask just what the importance of the world's water networks is to these strange cosmic visitors. Is it merely a means of traversing the planet largely undetected? Might there even be underwater portals that exist deep beneath the waves that allow these apparent aliens access to our world from their own realm of existence? Or might this alien race have a more permanent subaquatic residence? Could it be possible, as many UFO researchers have suggested, that alien bases exist deep beneath the water? Might this be why there are so many sightings near the coastlines of the world, and so many reports come from those at sea? As always, it gives us a lot to think about. For now, I will simply thank you for joining me, and be sure to leave any thoughts in the comments, and check out the links for further reading on some of the cases and theories we have been discussing here today. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media to keep up to date on future podcasts, articles and videos. And if there is anything that you want us to feature on future podcast episodes, then get in touch at marcus at ufoinsight.com. Until next time, goodbye and take care.